Last Sunday, we celebrated our sixth Easter service as a church. It was not just the first Zoom service, but also Boom service, because God brought a record attendance of 156 people to our Easter worship. Hallelujah, 156. Now, where do we go from the height of Easter? Where would you go after celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord? I want to tell you that we all need to go to the book of Acts, for it tells us what happened next. So we will, leave. We will have a short study on the book of Acts from today until the end of May. I want to share two introductory remarks on this indispensable book of Acts. By the way, the book is indispensable because without this book, we won't understand the rest of the New Testament, all the letters of Paul and other apostles properly. It's like reading a love letter, love letters without knowing the love story. So we are really thankful for the book of Acts. So first comment, our Lord never gave us a manual for church. He never instructed how to run the church meetings and organize a church and things like that. But our Lord gave us a memory of churches whose story can illuminate our minds and inspire our heart. A pastor said, a writer, a commentator said, the writer of Acts wants to do more than write a chronicle of the past. Rather, the past becomes a platform from which to preach to the present. Everything we do in forest must be connected to the book of Acts. And our story is to be congruent with the story of the first churches. As a, as a pastor said, book of Acts does not end with its final chapter 28, but every church writes its own chapter 29. And I pray every day, God makes our forest church story Another chapter about faithful witnesses. Second comment, I entitled this series on the book of Acts, People of the Way, because that's the first name for the followers of Christ called in history. Before followers of Christ were called Christians in Acts 11, Acts 9 tells us that's how people called the disciples of Jesus. So if you look at the X9-1, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threat against the Lord's disciple. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. This is where I got the name, the people of the way. And I like this name because it portrays a Christian faith as a dynamic movement, not a static religious sect based on philosophy or ideals. Believing in Jesus is a more than cognitive consent. It's a creative, courageous adventure. Today, the first story of the book of Acts we're going to read and reflect is about ascension of Christ. All the major Christian confessions and creed mentions the ascension of Christ and every Christian church believes.
believes it. The ascension of Christ is one of the essential beliefs of Christianity. Christian Christians throughout the history believe that at the end of his earthly life, our Lord Jesus Christ literally and bodily ascended to heaven. Ascension of Christ is one of those doctrines that divide Christians and non-Christians or the Orthodox and heretics. If you don't believe in ascension of Christ, you aren't really a Christian at all. So many Christian, uh, many uh, traditional and liturgical churches actually celebrate Ascension Sunday every year. Uh, for us, we are a little more contemporary in that regard. That I don't think I ever preached a sermon on Ascension Sunday, but today you'll get one. And uh, uh, once I heard a pastor, a well-known pastor, Eugene Peterson, uh, making comment on Ascension Sunday. Uh, listen to his quote: "Ascension Day." is a perfect church holiday because the world can steal it. The culture around us has quite ruined Christmas and Easter. Of course, the world owns Christmas as it's a festival for restoration of the sun before the early Christians used to disguise their celebration of Christ's birth. But the world has now stolen it for its consumeristic purposes and has seized the Easter for the same idolatry. In my teen years, I played a clarinet in the high school band for the town Christmas parade at which Santa Claus was flown, by, flown in by helicopter. Later, they flew the bunny in for Easter. But world hasn't gotten the foggiest notion what to do with a summon flying out. Do you catch? I hope that we know what to do with uh, Jesus flying out, ascending to heaven. So let's read our text today, Acts 1, verse 3 to 12. Let me read. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with the water, but in few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or date the Father has set, by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When he when Suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into sky? The same Jesus who has taken from you into heaven will come back in the same you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Jesus ascended to heaven not simply because he finished 
is work on earth and a needed vacation. Let me say very clearly from the beginning, Jesus ascended to heaven for us. Jesus ascended to heaven for us. Everything the Son of God did in his incarnation was for us. He was born in human flesh as a baby for us. He grew up as a poor, marginalized Galilean Jew for us. He died on the cross for us. He rose from the dead for us. And today, he ascended into heaven for us again. In John 16, 7, Jesus said, Very truly, I'll tell you, it is for your good I'm going away. It is for your good that I'm going away. Jesus called this ascension going away for our good. What was our Lord talking about? Why was his ascension uh, was for our good? Had Jesus not ascended to heaven, what would have happened to us? Had Jesus stayed on the earth since then to now, guess what? There would have been no room for us to develop faith and trust in God. Notice, nobody could ever doubt that Jesus is the Lord. Anyone who not believed, we just said, do you know how old Jesus is? And then, you know, once we say he's 2,000 years old, argument ends. Once again, faith is not believing God's existence or even God is powerful, but knowing God's heart and trusting him personally. That is a faith. I said last week, but James 2.19 said, You believe there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. It's like someone who wants to have a relationship with you because you are powerful and useful to that person. That is not a relationship. You know, any meaningful relationship like a friendship and marriage, it's not because of what we are powerful or we useful, but because we trust one another and we love one another. So once again, Jesus ascended to heaven for our good. In what ways? Jesus ascended to heaven in order to empower us. Empower us. Jesus is not, by the way, Jesus is not an overprotective, possessive, like uh, some helicopter parents who couldn't let go of their children. Any good parents knows. It is good of our children that we need to release them into the world and grow up and mature through trials and mistakes. Jesus did the same, but much better. He released us with his special gift of empowerment. So today, on this Ascension Sunday message, we're going to learn two empowering two, uh, gifts, two gifts of empowerment from our Ascended Lord. The first one is a Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit. If you look at the, today's story from beginning, uh, from first verse and the last verse, look compare the apostles here like a Moses, just like a Moses went up, uh, spent uh, went up to the uh, top of the Mount Sinai and spent forty days with God, and then end of the forty days he came down with the law, Ten Commandment, and then other law. Just like that, disciples of Christ met Christ for 40 days after his resurrection. And then at the end, Jesus ascended on the top of the Mount Olive, and disciples came down 
from the Mount Olive to Jerusalem with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And today, recorded Jesus' last conversation with the disciple. And guess what Jesus repeatedly emphasized? That was the coming of the Holy Spirit. In three, in three verses, verse 4, Do not leave the Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father. Promise that you have heard me speak about. And then verse 5, For John baptized with the water, in few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And verse 8 again, You will receive power and Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the end of the, end of the earth. Jesus was telling repeatedly disciples that any time he said he was going to the Father, you don't have to worry because the Father is sending you the Holy Spirit. And when he comes upon you, you will be able to do everything I ask you to do. So ascension of Christ means dissension. Ascension of Christ means a dissension of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus prepared his disciples toward their mission with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Today, in actually Cornerstone Bible study, we studied uh, 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 on Holy Spirit. So I really hope that one day all of you haven't taken Cornerstone, take the study on the Holy Spirit, you'll get the full grasp of it. But Mark 13, 10, 13 11, Jesus said this, Whenever you are arrested and brought to the trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. But just whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but Holy Spirit is speaking through you. Even at the worst situation of our persecution, Jesus was telling disciples, relax, because the Holy Spirit will guide you through. With the Holy Spirit, you can handle any situation. You know, these days we are talking about the need of antibody, right? Okay, allow me, the layman. This layman's uh, theological reflection through a physiological medical uh, analogy. You know, uh, antibody can neutralize any pathogen and then save the human body from bacteria and virus. And I want to say that Holy Spirit is the ultimate antibody because the indwelling God in us is stronger than anything in this world. John 4.4, John said, Dear children, you are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than one who is in the world. Holy Spirit in us is much stronger than any virus, any, any, any virus, any evil in this world. Rest of the book of Acts is actually a testimony about the powerful Holy Spirit in every Christian witness who followed and tried to obey the command of our Lord Jesus. Now, uh, just for a moment, let me share an interesting uh, TED talk that I heard a uh, uh, while ago. It was given by uh, Jane Fonda. Do you know who Jane Fonda is? Okay, if you don't know, Google and find out. And the topic was aging. And anyone who knows her age, you know, you agree that she is a, you know, a right, right speaker on aging. This is what she said about aging. Aging is a staircase, upward ascension of a human spirit. 
bring us into wisdom, wholeness, authenticity. As you may know, the entire world operates on universal law, entropy, the second law of thermodynamics. Entropy means that everything in the world, everything, is in a state of a decline and decay, the arch, going up and going down. There is only one exception to this universal law, that is a human spirit, which can continue to evolve upwards. Now, I'm glad that she is enjoying her aging. Yes, aesthetically, she, I mean, who can age better than her? But I'm also sad to hear there's a no mention of a Holy Spirit in our aging comment. Uh, I, I heard that somewhere that Jane Fonda is a fond of Christ and though, you know, uh, she declared uh, maybe Christ as or her Lord. Uh, at least seems like she's a fan. And actually someone said that her decision to follow Christ was the uh, uh, hitting the head of nail in a relationship with Ted Turner who is a uh, you know, uh, very staunch you know, atheist. So her attraction to you know, uh, Christ affected her relationship with Ted Turner, the founder of CNN, in case you don't know. But, you know, human spirit, just naturally evolving upward, as you know, that is not true. The only exception to the universal law of entropy is not human spirit. It's a Holy Spirit empowering. When the Holy Spirit empowers the human spirit, then it becomes the uh, ever-growing, maturing, beautiful, aging spirit, human spirit. John Wesley, a great uh, Methodist, found, uh, Methodist church you know, founder, said this, it is the spirit that shares the love of God abroad in their heart, the love of all mankind, thereby purifying their hearts from the love of the world, from the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, a pride of, a, a pride of a life. It is by him they are delivered from anger and pride, from all vile and inordinate affections. So it is by Holy Spirit we become upward, moving forward. Without Holy Spirit, we are just, we have no chance. No matter how much we know Jesus, it doesn't matter. Without Holy Spirit, indwelling Holy Spirit. So St. Augustine once said this, Without a Spirit, we can neither love God nor keep His commandment. And, and, uh, and Corey Tenbun, this uh, great Dutch Christian uh, witness and then almost a martyr during the Holocaust. She said this, trying to do Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Just flows out of you. Yeah, I can bear testimony on that. Anytime I do ministry without Holy Spirit, Believe me, I become the most miserable person. I become a most self-righteous person. I'm not becoming a pastor. I become a persecutor. My prayer become a, like a prayer of a Satan. I'm accusing every member, every member in a church. You know, say, you know, without a Holy Spirit, 
we cannot, we cannot love each other. So, without Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be a book of Acts or even birth and the growth of the church. Without Holy Spirit, earthly church would be nothing but a mere a memorial society uh, that wistfully longs for its departed leader. But with the Holy Spirit, as we know in the book of Acts, disciples of Jesus became a mighty missionary band for the living Christ. You know, once again, I want to say that without Holy Spirit, our house church is nothing but a man-made program. But with the Holy Spirit, our house church becomes an oasis, not just for us, but for our friends and then our VIPs. Now, let me move on to the second gift. Second gift, gift of empowerment, is not only indwelling Holy Spirit, but interceding high priest in heaven. That is Jesus Christ for ascended the Lord for us. Ascension of Christ is more than his mere return to his throne or heavenly glory. Ascension is not a Christ rest, but Christ renewing us. Ascension means continuation of a Christ's redemptive work in a new dimension. He took the humanity into God's throne when he ascended. So he prays for us as our high priest and our advocator at the right hand of God. The writer of Hebrews explained that to us very clearly by connecting ascension to awesome ministry of our high priest in heaven. So let's look at the Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with a confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrew writer said the our heavenly high priest is not just supreme because he is in heaven, he's right at the presence. Compared to earthly you know, high priest who just you know go to God once a year, heavenly high priest goes to God every second, every moment. It's not only supreme, but it's a sympathetic because he experienced human frailty. He understands fragile humanity. He understands he, he's not only just interceding for us. He intercedes to God for us with a full understanding about what we're going through. I don't know about you. You know, this verse comforts me when I cry out to God. Because when I, when you in, when you're in pain and predicament, and then and struggle, the, the 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 most difficult part of a struggle is that you feel you are alone, and no one understands. But Bible tells us Jesus understands our struggle because He had exactly same human limitation and human flesh, just like you and me. He understands our temptation. He understands my weakness and your weakness. Whatever human weakness is, He understands. And that's why when He pray, our Lord pray, our Advocator, He, he, 
He, he defends us with empathy and enthusiasm. I love the song that we sang, the second song that His love defends me. His love defends me. His love is not some kind of a just, you know, holy love that, are, you know, heavenly esoteric love, abstract love. That was a concrete love, the love that he experienced in our flesh. So Hebrew writers say we don't just approach God. We approach God confidently, with boldness. So, as John Calvin once said, through ascension, Christ rises to raise us into heaven, overcome the, the overcoming distance between us and God. Oswald Sanders once said this, at his ascension, our Lord entered heaven, and he keeps the door open for humanity to enter. Isn't that beautiful? At his ascension, our Lord entered heaven, and he keeps the door open for humanity to enter. Those of you taking Livingstone Bible study, you learn more in detail when you study the Philippians chapter 2, famous Christological hymn, that he emptied himself so that he can exalt us, and then he say, redeemed us, and then God exalted him to the highest of our high. You know, when Bible talks about Christ emptied, he's not talking about Christ lost something. No, Christ created space in his life. He took the human trouble, human destiny into his own destination. And he transformed our trouble into our transformation through his, sorry, hypostatic love. That Christ is a fully God and fully human. In Christ, we find all the frailty of humanity. It's a completely healed and, rest and renewed and remade it. And then we are clothed with the glory of God. And then, you know, so once again, we think this, uh, you know, uh, uh, we think ascension of Christ as some kind of absentee. But I want to tell you, Ascended Christ is not an absent Lord. He is more active than ever before. And the rest of the book of Acts tells us how actively Christ involved in the mission and ministry of his disciples and followers. For instance, if you looked at the Acts chapter 7, let me talk about the, uh, Stephen's experience of a uh, living Christ. When the members of Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, the first martyr, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When Stephen was boldly sharing the gospel in front of a Sanhedrin, the very same Jewish body that condemned Jesus to death is about to, you know, kill uh, Stephen. Jesus was up there with Stephen and cheering him and opened his eyes. And that's why Stephen could die with the same prayer that Jesus did. If you look at the Stephen's prayer, is that do not hold this against the Lord. That's the same prayer. How could he pray like that? Because he saw Jesus. And then Acts 9 we talks about 
Jesus' intervention. When Saul was going to Damascus to catch Christ, you know, those, uh, the, uh, the uh, followers of the way, he met Saul. And Saul fell to the ground and heard the voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And then interesting thing is that uh, later, Jesus sent Anania, another disciple in Damascus, to heal Paul's you know, blindness. And there, uh, Acts 9.17, Ananias uh, went to Paul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here we can see clearly the ascended intercessor coordinating this uh, conversion of a Paul with his uh, faithful disciple who said our Lord is absentee, is absent, is active in the midst of God's people. And then there is an incredible verse, a short verse in Acts chapter 16, 7. When Paul and his missionary band came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. You know this one verse, Many people overlook, this is why Western civilization became such a Christian civilization. Because had Paul went into the Bithynia, gospel went all the way to Silk Road, all the way to China and East Asia, everywhere. Western people should be grateful for this verse. And again, in, God's, in Jesus' sovereignty, he intervened. And he charted the course of a missionary team. And then when Paul was at the worst place of a ministry, place city called Corinth, and Corinth was known for, it's a, sea, uh, it's a seaport, and the Corinth is known for uh, really rotten stuff. They have an ill reputation. And there Paul had a difficulty, and he was thinking about moving on to the next city. Guess what? Acts 18.9 said, One night, Lord spoke to Paul in vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. No one is going to attack and harm you, because I have, what? Many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, and teaching them the word of God. I'm amazed that Jesus saw Paul's struggle. And the even worse city, Jesus said, I have many to save. Paul, stay on. And Paul, because of Jesus' encouragement and intercession, Paul stayed. And we have two beautiful letters about, uh, uh, called the First and Second Corinthians. So brothers and sisters, let me tell you again, ascended Christ is not absent Lord, but more active, than ever before. His invisibility does not, miss, does not mean his indifference. I can speak uh, from parents' perspective. You know, anytime I don't hear from my children, guess what? Jamie and I, we seek them out. You know, Jamie and I, we signed up Facebook a while ago, not because we are a fan of Facebook. For me, Facebook is a yeah, just like uh, some people call it fake book. I just, uh, you know, 
I mean, I, f- I feel like it's a waste of time. I'm sorry. But I, I, I sign up the uh, Facebook primarily to get in touch with our children and occasionally spy on them. Yes. Who is that boy next to you? Oh, yeah, something like that. But w- and point is this. If a human parents care about their children this much, how much more our Heavenly Father and our crucified risen Christ care about you and me? You know, anytime actually the ironic thing is that uh, uh, when I traveled before, I and our children were young, I, call, I actually talked to them more. I called them more. Absentee, you know, ascended, you know, ascended Jesus does not mean he is absent from us. He's more attentive, more active than we can ever imagine. You know, let me uh, compare the Jesus' attention to us with the president's attention to us. So, once I heard about how President of the United States reads our personal letters to him. You know, when you send a letter to the president, it first passed through Office of a Presidential Correspondence. Did you know there was such a thing as Office of a Presidential Correspondence? This office was founded under President McKinley in 1897 to help his, uh, him address the roughly about 100 letters arriving for him per day. And by the time Herbert Hoover was president, office received about 800 letters per day. And so it continued to grow. And then now, uh, it became, a, it became a, a legit office. And the last time, the director, at least uh, uh, director of a presidential correspondence at the White House under Barack Obama you know, administration was a person named Fiona Reeves. And then she had a group of 45 staffers, 35 interns, and 300 rotating volunteers read thousands of letters sent to the president. And she personally read daily 300 letters. But out of tens of thousands of letters daily, guess how many President Obama read? 10. He read 10. Even that is incredible. I find that even incredible. And he answers to those letters. I don't know whether our current president read. I mean, maybe he read all those, you know, praises to him. But anyway, point is, Jesus made a direct personal promise to all of us when two or three gather together in his name. Whatever we ask, he will hear it. He will answer. Whatever we bind on earth, he will bind in heaven. Whatever we make a lose, he will make a lose. So, let me conclude today's message. Jesus ascended the Lord, promised disciples, I'm with you to the end. And also, I'm sending Holy Spirit to you. So wait for Holy Spirit. And when it comes to you, the new journey, new mission, new picture, you will start a new chapter of your life. Up to now, you are struggling witnesses of mine or struggling followers. But from here on, you will be strong, triumphant, and fruitful, and incredibly powerful witnesses of mine. That's what Jesus said. And so what did the disciples do? 
they began to pray. They began to pray. You know, waiting for God is never just, uh, you know, passively waiting. As Henry Nowen said, waiting is not just a passively, uh, uh, a passive thing until somebody does something else. Waiting means you are leaving, you are paying attention to the present moment. Taste it here and now. And I, here I want to make it one important point is that disciples of Jesus, they knew much about Jesus. They saw Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection with their own naked eyes. They even received the instruction from Jesus for 40 days after resurrection. They saw even his ascension. But these are all incredible instruction and experience were not enough for them to accomplish the Christ's mission. They need to receive empowerment through the Holy Spirit and through the prayer. So, once again, on this Sunday of Ascension Sunday, God is calling us, cry out to me and you will see that I'm fighting with you and my Holy Spirit is fighting also within you. Let me, let me quote one last, last thing. I have a little time. Once, uh, N.T. Wright, uh, Tom Wright, uh, premier New Testament scholar of our time, was asked by interviewer that what he would tell his children on his deathbed. And this is what Tom Wright said. I would say, look at Jesus. Jesus walks out of the Bible to meet us is just central and irreplaceable. He is always surprised. We never have a Jesus in our pocket. He always coming at us from different angles. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be a human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you are not just a spectator, but a part of the drama that has him as a central character. So his last word to his children would be, look for Jesus in your life. Look for Jesus in your life. And you will, when you find him, you will be surprised with the joy and hope and wisdom and power. Dear brothers and sisters, when do you find Jesus? When we pray, when we pray with humility and honesty, that's when we find the ascended Jesus is ever close to you and me. And we know that our life will be glorious, another glorious chapter of the book of Acts. Let's pray together.